Well, I hope you're enjoying our uh, little 80s sitcom, The Keep It's, and um, uh, do, you guys are like, let's just watch more of The Keep It's, uh, forget about the rest of it, um, but what we're doing in our series, Keep It Together, is really talking about these family relationships and talking about all of our relationships, how significant those things are, and just to kind of give you a recap of what we talked about last week and kind of where we're going is we, uh, this is kind of the d- things that we have to deal with when we're talking about family dynamics, when we're talking about relationships, is there's always conflict that arises. There's always like, you know, disagreements, things you have to sort out. And so we recognize when we're talking about relationships that you have to solve conflict. And... We uh, also know that there are all kinds of uh, other things that get in the way that kind of pull us and divide us. And so another aspect of that, and actually something that if you figure this out, it will solve some of your conflict, quite a bit of your conflict, is you have to solve calendar. Okay. And... uh, We're also talking about other things that you have to build in your life. You have to decide what is your priorities, what are going to be the essential things in your life, and that is we have to build sacred. And uh, you guys, yeah, my handwriting gets really sloppy when I do it fast. Um, uh, I could be a doctor writing prescriptions. Uh, What we talked about last week is at the foundation of everything is making sure that we're building those things in our life that are foundational, that we know who's in control, that at the center of our relationships is God. And so we have to build solid. So here's how it works and how we're kind of like framing this. And the reason I'm writing this up is that a lot of times how we start is we're like, we got a lot of conflict we need to deal with, but you can't really deal with those things until you deal with other things that lead to that. And last week we opened it up by talking about building solid. That The number one thing that we need to do is make sure that we recognize and understand that all things are built by God. All things are created by God. All things are made for God. And that's what keeps everything together. If we're divided on that, then we don't know really what the target is. We don't really know uh, how we're going to form and build our relationships. So those are things that we have to build. And we talked about that in detail last week. And we're building on that today by like once you solve this and say, God is at the center of our relationships. You can start building in sacred things into our life, sacred things into our relationship that really uh, sets you on a firm foundation with both of those things in order to kind of get into the solving and uh, dealing with all those other things in the coming weeks. So here's what we're talking about today. What does it mean to build Sacred. What does it mean to build sacred things into our life? Here's, here's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm just going to read it to you, kind of a little thesis statement for today, because it's going to help us kind of move along. And it, it's this. Since Jesus is at the center, we set our hearts and minds on things above. New things become sacred, holy, set apart, 
We die to old things we once valued and value new things we once dismissed. So I'll read that again real quick. If you can, if you can just kind of try to hold on to this thought, and we'll, we'll, we'll explain it a little more. Since Jesus is at the center, and that's really what Build Solid is all about, we set our hearts on mind and minds on things above. New things become sacred, holy, and set apart, and we die to old things we once valued and value new things we once dismissed. Okay, let's, let's unpack that, and let, we'll start by uh, reading in Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3.10, and that's kind of where we, we started in Colossians last week, and it laid out God is the creator, God is the center, God is supreme, and now let's talk about how we build sacred things into our life. It says this in verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also, also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature— Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So we see right here kind of the, the passage, and it gives several examples, but it's talking about the fact that if you built solidly and you've set Christ at the foundation of your life and just settled in your mind, Christ is going to be the center. And I think that's, that's an important conversation that you have to have, and it's an important thing that you have to really identify and solidify in your life. But if you've done that... There's new things that will emerge and old things that will go away. And, and there's a list here, but we all could make a big list of a lot of different things. But let's talk about that a little bit. It's a philosophical change that takes place where old values are put to death. Okay, let me explain it a little bit here is that there is a trick that sometimes parents pull on kids. Maybe you shouldn't play tricks on kids, but, you know, sometimes they need life lessons, right? Uh, I have never played this trick on my kids. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was too afraid. My, my oldest son is good at math, and so I'm afraid that it wouldn't work on him. But maybe you could do this at home if you have like a, maybe about a five-year-old, okay? You can give them this option. Uh, motivation for chores is great, like a little bit of money, right? And you can give them this option. Say, hey, clean your room, and at the end, there'll be a monetary reward, uh, here's one monetary reward right here. Here's a hundo. Okay. All right. We're not giving this out for chores. We understand that. Okay. But, um, if you present this choice to a five-year-old, most of the time they'll make this decision. Here are 10 quarters, 
10 nice shiny quarters. You can play with them. You can stack them up. There's 10 of those or one of these. Which one would you like? You see, if, if you catch a kid at the right age that doesn't quite understand the difference in value, a little flimsy piece of paper compared to 10 quarters, they will choose 10 quarters every time. Okay? Again, uh, caution. Uh, I will not guarantee that this works every time. So if you try it at home, this is on you. But, but the reality is, when you are five years old, you don't quite understand value. You don't quite understand that some things have more value than other things. That this right here, $100 or $2.50, they, there's no comparison whatsoever. The value between the two is not even close. Sometimes, though, a kid that doesn't have that life experience would say, that looks more valuable than that. And that's how they process life. Um, we, can, we can sit here and make fun of little kids. Maybe we could just bring in a kid here and try it out. No, uh, I don't want to do that just in case. But... But the real question is, do we understand the value of things? Because the reality is, is I think there's lots of times that we choose the lesser. There's lots of times in our life that we choose this over this. That we don't truly understand what is sacred in life. And I think that we learn pretty quick what is more valuable in money because that probably reveals some of our cultural values, that money is important to us. But sometimes things that are spiritual, we don't recognize the true value. We don't recognize what is really more significant and important. And we choose the lesser. I want to ask you in your life, and I want you to think about in your life, are there times in your life that you've chosen the lesser instead of chosen what is more valuable? When you're building your home, when you're establishing values, when you're saying this is what's most important in our home, have you uh, chosen the lesser? Um, as it talks about here in these verses that there are old values that we need to put to death. There are things that need to go away. There are things that just need to be moved aside. And it talks about anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. These are outward actions, but they reflect the attitudes of the heart. And when Christ is really at the center of our life, these things really inevitably change. Sometimes when you read a passage of scripture like this, it can almost feel overwhelming, almost like a huge list of I got to get rid of all of these things in my life. I want everybody to just take a deep breath for a second. Okay. You ready? Thank you. Some people are participating already. That's nice. Uh, all right. Take a deep breath when you read a re list like this. Okay. All right. It's okay. I don't have to like just go through my life and just examine every little thing that I've done. And like, oh, I got this huge list of things that I have to change in my life. Let's just stop for a second and recognize that there's something that inevitably happens. That when Christ is truly at the center of your life, 
when you've built that solidly in your life, things inevitably start to change. And if you'd say in your life that I haven't experienced much change at all, there hasn't been much change in the culture in my home at all, I would say don't focus on a bunch of lists and trying to figure that out. First of all, you should probably focus on number one, building solid. Making sure that right here, right now, Christ is at the center of your life. Here's what happens. Here's what takes place. If, if you have at some point in time started to, to, to develop that at the core and say this is supreme. Christ's will is supreme. God's will is supreme. Things change immediately. It's almost as if like there is a culture change. On sports teams, in business, what happens sometimes is you look at an organization and it looks like it's a big mess. And then all of a sudden, there's a new leader at the top of that organization and just everything switches. The priorities change. And it actually, things can improve very quickly. What happens is they're starting to focus on different purposes and different goals. When you start to say, and when you settle in your mind, Christ is at the center, all of a sudden what happened is your purpose statement for your family changed. The way you're thinking about it before completely changed. And all of a sudden you will find, if you are sincere in that and really pursuing that, you'll find things begin to change. The list begins to get easy and not daunting. It's just something that happens in our hearts and lives. We also believe that God's spirit comes alongside us and walks us through those things and, in, and does incredible work in our life. But we really do, first and foremost, have to decide that Christ is at the center. Let me give you an example of how this changes. When Christ is at the center and Christ is supreme, I begin to make a decision uh, in advance that when Christ wants me to do something in my life, I'm going to do it. Before the debate or the argument is against me and God, whose argument will win out. But if there's something that changes, and this is a profound change, if something that changes and says what you want is what will reign in this household, what you want, God, is going to supersede what my wishes or my desires are. All of a sudden, everybody's purpose begins to change. There's no more argument. There's no more debate. And things inevitably will move in that direction. So the question again, I mean, and we're, we're kind of building on what we talked about last week, is if Christ is at the center, there is a culture shift and change in our home and the questions we begin to ask as we put the old values to death is what new values and virtues will come into place so let's talk about that a little bit um we'll talk about new values becoming sacred there's a whole bunch of different things but i want to talk about a, a, a couple of ideas but this is the type of conversation that you can continue and add to my list that isn't a perfect list of new values, new virtues, 
new attitudes, new perspectives that should become priorities in your life. One of them, I think, is togetherness. In your relationships, a new value that should become sacred is togetherness. It should be something that, like, stops, you know, mentally being a debate in your home and saying, this is a value that is incredibly important. This is something that is sacred. This is something that is a higher value than other things. And, and the reality is, is this is hard. This is hard to live out. It's hard, especially in our world where we have, um, you know, in my home, you, you have four screens and four rooms. You know, so it's hard to stay together, isn't it? In a setting like that where everybody has their own screen in their pocket all the time. And uh, the screen is producing content more entertaining than anybody else in the room. And we have our own rooms that we can go to and just kind of be all by ourselves and connect with our device, our true, our true love and passion in life. Um, but that is sometimes what takes place. And this is a struggle. But, but people who say there's certain things in life that are truly truly sacred, make a priority and saying together is the default. Together is the priority. Other things will, will, will step aside. So sometimes that may look like um, saying like this is a sacred act in our home that five nights a week we sit down together and have dinner. That is a sacred priority in our home. It's a sacred priority and this is something that that is significant that we talked about that maybe I gather regularly in a small group in a way that I am building my family together and being together with other people. This is a sacred act because I recognize that my relationships with my family, my relationship with my creator has more value than the other things that can steal that away. And so I'm elevating those values. I'm elevating that priority, those new things and saying that is sacred, that is more important. There's a, a, a bunch of them, and we can get into it. Uh, uh, just a little side note with togetherness. I've, I've always been an advocate of you know, putting the phones away at certain points in time. Uh, we're definitely addicts to these things. Um, having days where you say no phones, uh, having fasts for, for, for technology and those things and saying, we're putting them away for different times and different seasons because it can be such a distraction and can steal away, uh, togetherness. So fight for that. Make sure it's something that is a priority and maybe start to think about how you build that as a sacred ritual and routine in your home. Uh, authenticity is another one. Authenticity is another one just saying this is the type of practice that we're going to live and the type of culture we're going to develop in our home. The scripture is, is really clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To model this sacred value in our homes, there should be times when we're asking one another for forgiveness. We're, 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 we're sharing with one another how, like, this is an area I'm struggling with. How can we support one another in this? And there's grace that is offered and extended to one another. This is an authentic way of living out life. Let me tell you, kind of break down how it kind of breaks down sometimes in marriage relationships. 
The reality is sometimes it plays out like this, is that, that what happens is, is men really, a lot of times what they seek is uh, in life to just truly kind of like feel fulfilled and feel like they're on the right path is, is what they seek a lot of times is significance or success. That feels like, for a man a lot of times, it feels like if I accomplish that, if I get there, if I do that, then everything will be, everything will be okay in my life. I'll be good. I'll, 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 I will find my way and I will be happy in life. A lot of times, and of course this isn't universal across the board, but these, these traits kind of seem to play out, is a lot of times for women, their pursuit is safety or security. And a lot of times um, that, and maybe even you could call it identity, so, is what they're really craving and longing for and seeking. And what happens and how this works out and how it kind of breaks down is that a lot of times what we do in our relationships is we look at, we look at these things and we ask our partner or we ask our close family members, will you, you know, like, can you play this role? Can you make me feel significant and successful? Or can you make me feel safe and make my identity feel like I am complete? But the reality is, is none of us can do that for one another completely and fully. There's only one that can t totally satisfy this, and that's God. God at the center. Our true significance and our true success is the fact that we find our purpose in our creator and only God can really fulfill that need that we have. Truly to feel safe, secure in our identity, it needs to be found in Christ, the creator of the universe. And when we push upon one another in maybe an inauthentic way, just push upon one another the expectation that that person is going to make me feel significant or successful or that person is going to make me feel safe, secure, and my identity, they're going to let you down. And it's going to break down. What happens sometimes is that men seek that with their careers. And they're like, I'm going to bury my life in my career because I'm just, I'm not feeling it. And sometimes, sometimes women a lot of times will, will uh, seek that in their kids or other family members or relationships to find that kind of that identity and wholeness and safety and security, those things, maybe finances, those different things can come up. And all of us have different degrees of this in our life in one way or another where we're looking on and seeking and trying to find like peace in these voids in our life. But what we really need is we need to lean into God. We need to lean into God and practice kind of this authentic living, recognizing and knowing that like we're struggling with these things and we can support one another, but it needs to be God at the center of our lives in order to truly feel fulfilled. If, if, if you don't, you're going to go down lots of different paths where you choose the lesser, 
where you choose something that is not going to fulfill, like your career. Where you choose something that is just, it's not complete. And it's just going to be endless disappointment. Let's just be honest about like deep down in our life, those needs, desires, wishes, and hopes that we have and recognize that we have to work these out with one another and work these out with God. God, help me to find some kind of peace in these areas of my life. And maybe it's uh, some of those are a little stereotypical in a way, and, and it's different for other people. I totally recognize or understand that, but understand the logic of what takes place when we just kind of live our lives hoping and trusting that somebody else or something will solve this inner turmoil that we have. It's only God alone that can do those things. Honest conversations with your spouse about these struggles, fears could go a long way in helping to support one another, but you can never expect your spouse to solve these things for you because they're not God, the one that holds all things together. They can't fill that void and they will let you down. There's some other things in life, some other sacred values, sacred things that that we need to recognize, new values that need to be elevated instead of these old values that sometimes we do elevate. Is it, we need to, we need to have a little bit of a gumption, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, kind of pushing through. This is, this is a value or a sacred virtue that needs to be a part of our lives where we, where we have the character to fight on. We have the character to push through. Think how it plays out in our lives and, and, and how our values could change if we really center on God is we really celebrate the things that are significant. Thinking about this in my life and, and thinking back to some of my mistakes I made as a parent is some of the things I celebrated with my kids and my family members is I'd, I'd celebrate at like uh, a lot of times their birthday. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'd celebrate... Sometimes when they like, when your kids, you look at your kids and they're like growing and they're getting stronger and I'd celebrate and praise them. Look at you, you're getting taller. Uh, sometimes we look at kids and we're like, wow, you're so beautiful. And we praise those virtues. People excel in sports and you're like, look at you, you're so good at this sport. You're so good at this. We elevate and we celebrate things that honestly, if we look at it, are not the higher virtue are not the higher value. What would happen is if we changed the things that we celebrate, if we celebrate with our family members, when they overcome a challenge or they grow in their character, we have a party and we get a birthday cake and maybe even sing a song. When somebody has like a really difficult moment in their life, maybe they're struggling through it and they have the will and the courage with the support of their family to overcome and move forward, that is something that deserves a party, isn't it? But a lot of times what we do in our life is we elevate things that are kind of peripheral. Virtues and values that aren't as significant as others. In our fa families, we should be fighting 
for the things that really matter and celebrate those victories and those wins. When one of our children makes a step of faith, a commitment of faith to grow in their faith or have taken that on as their own, that should be a party. What do we celebrate with kids? What do we, what do we honor? What, what things do we, um, we elevate as more sacred than others? Another thing that I think we should elevate, another virtue is blessing others. Using your resources to care for others when you can. Gathering together and doing things like we have our good neighbor project and you see the bags that we collected. Doing things together where we say we're doing this as a family to serve other people, to serve and, and make a difference in our world. Um, I've had several conversations with people over the years and actually many over the last couple of months uh, for the reality that is kind of odd is that I am a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor. I grew up in church. I didn't miss any Sundays. And there's this, there's this thing that, that exists in society with pastor's kids that there's a, a great degree of pastor's kids that seem kind of like burnt out on church or a little bit like jaded in church. And, and, and kind of how, the, how it goes is these conversations, and I've talked to many pastors' kids before, where they say, I had to show up at church, and I had to look my Sunday best, and I had to put on a happy face, even though at home it was a mess and a disaster, and it just made me feel like all of it was fake, and it wasn't real. And it's always an odd thing for me, because I never had that experience and this is the greatest compliment I could probably give my parents is that I, I, I'd say, hey, I, my parents were the same people at home as they were at church and they were the same people. And when I showed up to church, the church I was a part of just loved me and didn't have any like undue expectations on me. They, it was great. And it was a great experience. And I loved it. And yeah, we were at church a lot. And sometimes it was busy. Maybe sometimes I was tired of being at church. That is true. But always when I look back on it, it's fond memories and good memories. Because it, it, it was positive things that were taking place in my life every time I walked into the doors of a church. And of course, we would hope that that's the true for you, not just you know, my kids that are pastor's kids. But the reality is, is how does that work and make sure it's a good, positive thing? Is it... There was joy. There was, there was just good things that were taking place all the time. And it just felt like for me growing up, I got to be a part of helping other people out and being a part of something that was bigger than myself. And it was a good thing. Good memories. Good vibes. Something meaningful. Not a burden that other people experience. In our lives, I hope and I pray that you're building into your family relationships some opportunities for you to say these values are more important. We bless others. We serve others. We do things for others, and we do it together as a family. And the church community is a beautiful place for that to live out. There's a reason God called us to be a part of the church, to be a part of something, to connect with one another. All of these, these things that we do together in relationship. And it builds these values and virtues in our home. Those are a few kind of things that, 
that we can talk about togetherness, authenticity, kind of uh, perseverance and blessing others. You can come up with a different list, but here's, here's what I want you to think about. Big picture, what I want you to think about personally is think about in your home, what kind of habits, rituals, routines do you have in your home that elevate sacred things? That elevate things that are more significant and more important. I'm not a big ritual type of person, but there's some things that just hold great value because of, because of how people approach it. If in your family, before you have a meal, you sincerely and honestly stop and pray and thank God, that can be a habit and ritual and routine that can give life that elevates the sacred in your home. It can be a meaningless ritual that doesn't mean anything, but it depends on how we approach it. I think having a regular thing where I say this is what's sacred and this is what's priority in being a part of a community of faith is, is incredibly valuable, incredibly important. So in our family, we've elevated that value, being a part of a community like this, and it's just of course, I'm the pastor. I understand that. But it's something that we say that is a non-negotiable part of our family. Because we need to build sacred things into our life. Significance and elevate certain virtues and other virtues need to be minimized. That that is more important. That these things override other things that might get in the way. I think things like we talked about, like a family dinner, getting rid of the cell phones, having a fast for those things, certain celebrations where you elevate sacred things, uh, prayer time with your family, honest like confession and uh, honest conversations with your spouse. These type of regular activities that take place can build into your life and say, these are values that are more significant and important. So there's... Some of these things that we have in our church, some of these things that we have as a part of this community, that what we do on a regular basis is, is a couple of things. One, a couple of non-negotiables that I thought about as I was praying and we were getting this church started. As I said, hey, when we gather together, every time we gather together, we're going to give people an opportunity to stop and be silent and try to listen to God. And reflect on that as we move into a time of communion. It's a sacred moment. Maybe you don't, maybe, maybe for you, it's, that's something that is that significant. Maybe it's something that feels like a ritual or routine. But in my mind and in my life, here's what I've learned. Is when I do things that are sacred over time with a sincere heart, something begins to build in my heart and my life. It's in what some theologians have called it like the means of grace. What it means is these activities or these avenues where we know that God's grace will show up in our life. We know when we bow our knee and pray, God will start working in our life. We know when we gather together and worship, God will begin working in our life. We know when we gather and take communion with sincere hearts and say, God, help us. God, forgive me, something happens in our life. 
Whenever we're doing these things, we can call it in a modern day context, old, outdated rituals. Or we can say, no, I'm elevating something sacred. I'm starting to build into my life things that are more significant than the other activities that sometimes I practice or sometimes I elevate. I'm building into my life avenues where I make sure without a doubt that I don't forget God's place in my life. And so communion has become that sacred ritual for us as a community of faith. What are those sacred rituals in your home? Sacred activities in your home where you say, we're making sure we build this and set this up as a value and a virtue in our home. When one of our family members says yes to Jesus and makes that public confession of faith, that's a party that goes way beyond any sweet 16 party. That when one of our family members who's been struggling with something persevered and overcame, that's something we celebrate. When we gather together, we pray for each other because we know that we have limited power and what we can do to support each other. But with God on our side and God at the center, it's unbelievable what we could accomplish, what we could do when God is in our home. It's not about being legalistic or being ritualistic. It's about prioritizing the sacred, letting that be a part of who you are, of your home, of your conversations, of the culture, of your family and your relationships. What does that mean for you? So I want you to think about, this would be your, your kind of like homework assignment. Maybe four to six things in your family life that are sacred activities, that are sacred things, that you say, this is a non-negotiable. This is too important. This is too valuable to miss. We can't let this go in our life. Some of those things that you say, it's not going to be just maybe every now and then. This is so valuable that we can't let this go. What are those things in your family and in your life? Because all too often we choose the lesser. We have all kinds of rituals and routines and values that give no life whatsoever. That don't grow us closer to God and don't build our cultural values or family values in that way. What are those things that you're doing to build sacred in your home? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for these moments right here, right now, this moment right now that I get to participate in every single week. God, I thank you because there's times where I feel lost. There's times where I feel overwhelmed. And I desperately need in my own life 
holy moments, sacred moments, where I pause, reflect, and listen to your voice, where I confess my sins. So God, I pray that we would put old values to death because something has changed in our lives. You're at the center. So God, help us to elevate things that are sacred, things that are life-giving, things that draw us closer to you. So God, speak to us right now. Help us to think of moments in our life where you can really get in. Where we can allow space for you to be a part of our lives, our marriages, our families, our relationships. God, help us to know what is really valuable. God, we pray right now that you'd forgive us for the the times we've elevated things that are not significant, for the times that we've just directly sinned, disobeyed you. Forgive us, God. Come alongside us. Build something in us that lasts, that's meaningful. Fill our hearts and our families with joy. Fill our relationships with your presence. Hear our prayers, God, today, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.